Thanks for tuning in today to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. My name is Katie Chesney, and on Employment Notebook, we provide advice and insight into different strategies for the workplace. Today's show is Managing Employees Who Work From Home, and we're with David Heinemer Hansen, a partner at 37 Signals and co-author of Remote Office Not Required. He brings a wealth of information and experience with him today. And before we dive into our topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, David? Sure. I started working remotely what, uh, just over a decade ago when uh, I was in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I started working with my partner at 37 Signals, Jason Freed, from Chicago, Illinois. We had seven time zones between us, and we just got started working together on software over the Internet. And through that process, uh, we learn uh, a lot of, about how to do that effectively. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, we figured out what sort of productivity we were getting out of it when we went away from that. I moved from Denmark to Chicago uh, a couple of years after we started working together. And we thought that if I just would now come to the office, we could be so much more productive than we would have been when, when I was in Copenhagen, Denmark. But it turned out not to be true at all. Uh, And then since then, we've sort of intentionally tried to gather as much information about working remotely and and learn as much as we could about it to the point where we today have a a company of 40 people where about 75% work remotely all the time. Now, you co-authored the book Remote Office Not Required with um, Jason Fried, the co-founder of 37 Signals. Now, did that idea for the book really just stem from how you saw the productivity in the workplace or is there really, are people asking for that? Is working from home a serious need in today's workplace? What actually happened was I thought that uh, this was common knowledge. We'd been doing it for, for a decade and I thought that especially in technology and amongst the peers that I were talking to, that everything we had figured out, that everybody already knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefits of having access to a talent pool much larger than just the one that can commute to your office or the lifestyle benefits to the employees, the flexibility of working from home. I, I thought it was self-evident. What I found out was that it wasn't self-evident at all. Mm-hmm. I started talking to other business owners and, and I just realized that most of them had a very shallow understanding of remote work and they had all these misconceptions about uh, why it wouldn't work for them. So I thought, well, here's an opportunity. We, we have this decade-long experience of running a, a company that works majorly remotely. We figured out, first of all, why that's a good idea, and, and we've also figured out how to do it. Uh, if there's so many people out there who, who don't have those two things, we should just put our um, information in a book and, and get it out there and provide people with both the argument of, of why today is, is the day for remote work, and, and then once you've decided that you want to give it a try, how to do it best. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about like why telecommuting is a good idea? Now, you mentioned that you have access to a larger talent pool and different um, lifestyle opportunities for your employees, but is there anything else deeper outside of that that you could you would consider? Yes, yeah, there's just so many benefits to it. Uh, I'd say one thing that resonates with a lot of people is the fact that getting work done at work is very hard today. The modern office has become an interruption factory where People can show up in the morning and uh, spend a whole day at the office and then leave at night with a to-do list that's no shorter than when they started. In fact, often it's longer. And people sort of uh, scratch their head and think, 
why is that? Why am I not getting anything done? And I think the key to that is just that the, the office today chops off the work day and turns it into little work moments. We have all these interruptions of people coming over to our desk or pulling us into a conference room or whatever else have you. And before you know it, you, you only have 30 minutes here, 45 minutes there. And that's really not the duration you need for knowledge work today. Uh, to do great work, to do creative work, to do intellectual work, you need long stretches of uninterrupted time. You need hours, not just minutes, to, to get something productively done. So I think what a lot of people who still work at offices have found is that uh, they can get something done if they show up really early in the morning when nobody's there yet, or stay really late at night when everybody else has gone home, or they somehow end up working from home accidentally because they're sick or whatever, so they sort of, I think most people get this. They get the fact that the office is not a great place to get work done. What we're saying is, well, if you have that realization, if you already know this, why don't you just take it one step further and then figure out that you can actually just work from home. And then you don't have all these interruptions of, uh, of the office and everybody can get a lot more done and, and be a lot happier about it too. Okay. Because I think... Uh, the, the key with remote work is employees or employers often look at this, oh, this is a perk. This is just a benefit to people just because they like the comfort of their home better or whatever. That's really not what it's about. I think that uh, employers often have a misconception that uh, the workers aren't interested in doing great work and they aren't interested in in just getting stuff done. And, and, and what we found is that, uh, when you give them that opportunity, when you give them sort of the trust to live up to, that, hey, I'm going to let you work from home, well knowing that sort of, yes, you have a, a PlayStation in the living room where you could do laundry or there's all these other interruptions that you could partake in, but I'm going to trust you that you can do a, a great job from home. Workers will prosecute. They, they will turn back and they will turn out great work and, and everybody can be much happier for it. Now, does it take a certain kind of employee to be successful at telecommuting? I think uh, a lot of people think that. I think they think that telecommuting and remote work is only for hermits. It's only for people who can just cuddle up in in their lonely little room and sit in there all day long uh, with no otherwise human interaction and get stuff done. Very few people like that exist in the world. And that's absolutely not what we found in, in our experience. What we found is it doesn't take a special kind of person. It takes a special kind of training. It takes a special kind of knowledge and it takes a, a special kind of discipline. Because most people are just, they're accustomed to working in the office. They're accustomed to the routine of commuting into an office, being there from a certain time to a certain time, uh, and sort of all the customs that come with that. When you start working from home, you have to redefine all that. You have to redefine what does it mean to go to the office? When am I working? When am I not working? Uh, how do I split my time in, in, a, in a good way such that I don't end up working all the time and also in such a way that I'm available to my coworkers when they need it? Uh, and that's a whole new domain. That's something that people have to, to learn to deal with. What we found, the funny thing, of course, is that uh, bosses often think, well, I have to be on people who work from home because I have to really make sure that they're, they're getting enough done. They're not just goofing off. They're not just sitting on the couch. We found the opposite to be true. We found that people who work from, uh, remotely are more likely to actually overwork. They're more likely to forget thinking, oh, actually now it's five o'clock. I don't, uh, I don't have to work anymore. I can sort of just do other things with my life. Uh, and it's been our responsibility as, as 
owners of 37 Signals to tell our employees that they actually have to take time off. They actually have to get away from the computer at night. And managing that whole interaction, I think that's the challenge. The challenge is not getting after people and constantly monitoring them and making sure that they're working enough. The challenge is to support people who otherwise uh, would sort of just fall into a pattern of working like 12, 14 hours a day because they're just sitting at home and, and it's so easy for it to glide from, from one end to the other. And uh, um, that's really that's really the challenge. Sure. Now, as a management, from a management perspective, when you how do you hire someone if they're going to be like working remotely? Like you started abroad and how did you get hired and how do you find that process works for you when you're so far away from that other person? Absolutely. It's definitely, again, it takes a change in mindset. Our change in mindset is that it's about the work, first and foremost. Uh, for all the positions that we hire, whether it's a designer, we want to see a portfolio, whether it's a programmer, we want to see some code, whether it's a customer support person, we want to see some at least simulated responses to customer requests. Whatever it is, uh, we try to look at the work first. So uh, when you apply to a job at 37 Signals or to any other company that uh, that allows for remote work, uh, it's really a good idea to, to set it up in such a way that you're showing work. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have that filter right away, it, it makes it a lot easier to narrow down who to proceed with versus if you have 100 candidates and the only way you can figure out who to hire is to actually meet them in person, well, yeah, of course that's not going to work. You're not going to fly 100 people from 100 different cities into uh, into your office to, uh, to figure out who to hire. Um, so you have to sort of cut down the, um, the candidacy pool a bit first, and, and we do that through looking at work. If people do not already have a body of work, they don't already have a portfolio or whatever, what we've done in the past is we've basically hired people for mini projects. Uh, for designers, for example, if they don't have a portfolio, uh, Jason has uh, commissioned people to just do a one-week project that they can do on the side after hours, and then we pay them to do that. But the whole process is basically around the, around the work. What we then do is once we've narrowed it down, just if there's like one or two candidates uh, left, then we actually do fly people into uh, to Chicago pretty often. Just because you work remotely doesn't mean that face-to-face communication doesn't have any value at all anymore. It totally does. Working together is more about just is about more than just the work itself. It also has to be a, a good connection. And oftentimes, the best way to figure out whether there is that good connection, that good vibe, is to meet people in person. So we still try to, to do that when we hire people whenever we can. We have hired people without doing that. Uh, if there's been a very strong body of work or if it's already come from recommendations and so forth, but uh, otherwise we try to do it and, and we recommend that as a good practice. Okay. So what about training? So once you hire them, how do you, do you train them? Do you keep them in Chicago for a week or so? Or do you kind of just, you know, do some face-to-face time through Skype or something when you're training? That's simply a challenge. I, I'd say that that's one of those areas where it is a little bit harder when you're remote, but not uh, something you can't overcome at all. We've, um, we have a support department that uh, is probably the prime area that requires immediate training for somebody to get up to speed with our product. And for anybody new we hire there, we fly them into Chicago uh, or somewhere else where um, we have employees, and they spend a good couple of weeks, two to three weeks, learning the ropes of, of how our applications work and how to set it up. So that works well for, for customer support. For something more like programming or designing or so forth, we try to do things with uh, brief stints 
in the office sometimes. Like somebody will come in to, to Chicago for a week for a special project and then you'll spend some time together there. Or we do other things where in groups, for example, amongst the designers or amongst the programmers, we do Google Hangouts. Okay. We um, do a Google Hangouts. It's really a great product where you can be video chatting with, I think, up to 10 or more people at the same time. You can see everybody through the webcams, and then you can discuss something, like a piece of work or whatever it is, just to, to sort of get everybody on the same page and, and help newcomers learn uh, the ropes of your business. Sure. Now, as a manager, I mean, when you're not in the office, you can't see what your employee is doing. You can only see their work. So how do you kind of give them recognition and know when it's time, okay, this employee needs more work, they're trying, they're stepping up, I think that they might be in line for a promotion. So how do you, how do you handle that whole situation when you just can't see them like you would in an office? That's definitely a good challenge. And I think it, it, it's, again, one of those things that requires a bit of a shift. A lot of managers have this notion that they have to supervise the workers. Mm-hmm. And we advocate this, that you supervise the work instead. Don't supervise the person, supervise the work. And then it actually becomes a lot easier in many ways. Who should be in line for promotion? Well, whoever's doing great work. When you're looking at the work as a prime evaluation of, of what's going on, then that becomes a lot easier. It becomes a lot less about office politics or who's there early in the morning, who smooths with the right people. All these other things that people generally don't feel are fair parts of, uh, of employee evaluation. So focusing on the work, uh, on top of that, we do uh, one-on-one conversations as with, with all employees at the, the company at regular intervals. I think it's still very important, even if you're not doing it face-to-face, getting just on the phone or getting on a, a video chat and talking to uh, employees about uh, where they are, um, or, or do they have enough work, is there something else they'd rather do, are they taking an vacation? all this sort of checking, all the management stuff, it still needs to happen. Just because you're working remotely or just because you're focusing mainly on the work as a, as a way of evaluating things, doesn't mean that these things aren't important anymore. So a lot of the traditional management principles about developing employees and following up, they still need to happen. They're just happening over the phone. They're happening over over uh, video conferencing, or they're happening in person when you're meeting up in person anyway. As a company, uh, we meet up uh, everybody in Chicago about two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. And that's a great time as well to, to have some of those conversations that don't necessarily need to happen every week, but... Uh, uh, do need to happen occasionally. Okay. Now, you just mentioned that you, your whole company kind of congregates in Chicago a couple times a year. Now, isn't that kind of expensive? And wouldn't some employers say, well, if we keep doing that every couple times a year, it's just going to be more expensive than just getting an office? It's definitely something to look at. I think for us, no way is it more expensive. I mean, we have 40 employees to fly 40 people, and 10 of them are in Chicago, to fly 30 of them into Chicago. Uh, twice a year, certainly much less expensive than to have a, a big office that could facilitate everybody with private offices and so forth. And even if it was about that, um, some things are worth paying for. And the benefits that we derive in terms of access to talent, that we can get access to such a larger pool of people, that alone would be worth it. Now you add on top the benefits that we have in retention. We have Lots of employees who stayed with the company for a very long time, in large parts because they truly enjoy this flexibility of being able to live and work where they want to live and work. If you look at it just for, for our company, 75% of the people we have, they're not in Chicago. 
It means that 75% of the company, we wouldn't be able to hire. We have people in Canada. We have people on the West Coast. We have a couple of people in Europe. They were just not going to come work for us if we required them to be in Chicago. So what would have been the cost of giving all that up? Well, immense. Right. Um, so for us, it's, it's a small price to pay in the grand scheme of things. All right. All right. Did you run into any problems when you guys first started your telecommuting program? And how did you overcome those problems? I think some of the key problems are around this notion of having people develop their own uh, routine, as we talked about. Somebody who's been used to working in an office and, and have that routine put on them, it can be a little bit of a culture shock mm-hmm. to go from that and then to, to working remotely. And especially so if that person does not have a very strong natural social sort of network in their house. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, for people who already have families and get that social interaction every day from their spouse or from their kids, we find we don't have a lot of trouble on, on that level. For, mm-hmm. for people who, for example, are, are single or whatever and would otherwise have gotten a lot of their sort of face-to-face communication going to, to an office, it doesn't necessarily just work to sit at home eight hours a day and not really get out. For those people, uh, a lot of uh, them do things like they go to a coffee shop to just be around other people. We're still social animals. And I think we still just require that degree of, of social interaction, even if it's not around the work. It just so happens that most people do get that from going to an office, but it doesn't have to come from your coworkers. It can come from people either at the coffee shop or it can come from, from people working in other companies, like uh, if you get a co-location spot. A couple of our employees actually do work from, quote, unquote, an office. It's just not the office of 37 Signals. It's just not an office in our town. It's, uh, it's one of these new co-location spots where you can work next to other like-minded people who just happen to be in your city. They don't work for the same company. So that's a great way to get around the two. But I say, yeah, that's the, that's the number one challenge. Number one challenge is, is dealing with the transition of people from being used to the social interactions of, of the office to uh, starting to work from home. Now, you mentioned that you have employees who work in different time zones, different countries, and kind of when they're adjusting, they might go to a coffee shop to work. Now, how, how do you define those rules for what an employee can do? Because it sounds like you don't want them to kind of be chained to just another desk in their home. So, I mean, do they get to choose their own hours? Do they get to choose wherever they want to work just as long as they're clocking their eight hours a day and putting forth great work? Yeah, that's really the, the crux of it is as little as possible we can put on people in terms of rules, the better. Mm-hmm. If people can come up with whatever they want to come up with and wherever they want to work, if they can just do great work from there, why should we really care? What does it matter whether they're getting their work done from either a desk at a company office or from home or in a coffee shop? It doesn't really matter. Yes, you have to take some precautions. So for one thing, we take security extremely seriously. And sort of having some security protocols that ensure that the laptops are secure in case they should be stolen when people are out and about or whatever are really important. But that's important anyway. I mean, offices get broken into all the time. So you have to take these precautions anyway, but uh, working remotely just makes it makes it double important. The one thing I will say that is really important is that just because you're working from, from a different time zone or whatever, uh, you still have to have the overlap. I think a lot of people originally soured on remote work when um, they heard about outsourcing. They heard about just shipping jobs to India or whatever. And if you had to work with a department in India, 
the way you worked with somebody was sending an email and then the next day you would get a reply. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't work. You have to have real-time overlap. So, for example, when I work from Europe, which I do about uh, half the year, I shift my hours. So instead of uh, working in the morning until the afternoon and then being off in the evening, I'm off in the morning and then I work in the afternoon and in the evening. So I do that switch such that I have more time, uh, more hours of overlap with sort of our standard office hours of Chicago. Um, and what we say in general is as long as you just have about four, maybe five hours of overlap, that's plenty. In fact, it can be a benefit to not have 100% overlap. When you have uh, three, four hours to yourself, where not the entire company is online and, and working at the same time, you can get even more done because while the modern uh, office is certainly an interruption factory, remote working still is susceptible to, to interruptions. Just because you're sitting at home, it's better, but there's still IMs, there's still emails and all this stuff coming in. I actually find when I work from uh, uh, from Europe that, that I tend to get uh, slightly more done because I'm not overlapping 100%. Okay. But it is important and you have to have some of it. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time today, and I just wanted to know if you had any final tips or suggestions um, for management or for employees who are just starting the telecommuting process. Uh, I'd say that uh, if you're proposing it to management that you want to start it, um, start by going slow, but um, not with a single person. It, It really is not a good thing to try remote work and just say, oh, hey, Joe, you get to work remotely for a month that tends to fail. What you need to do is just say, hey, everybody can work remote, say one day a week, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and get going with that. That's a good way to start. Now, our time is coming to a close today, and we would like to thank David for joining us today and sharing his expert advice. Now, to find more employment-related shows, please head over to algianradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, please shoot me an email at algianradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I'll see you next time.